bring the word to you this morning, but before we do that, I, wanna, I just want us to pray for our country and then pray for the needs um, that are maybe here in the church. And uh, in the bulletins, we have a list of people that you can take this home. And the idea behind this is to uh, take this list home and it gives you something to pray about, uh, pray over th- these people, because sometimes people want to pray, but they, they don't know what to pray for. So you can't say, well, I don't know what to pray for. There they are. Thank you. There's other things to pray for too. But you know, and sometimes in prayer, we just need to listen. I was praying the other day and uh, I just knelt down where I usually, I like to kneel when I pray. Uh, I bow my knee before him. Every knee will bow and tongue confess, you know. So it's a matter of body language, I know, but uh, I like to do that. And I, I knelt down to pray and and I got back up again. I just said, Lord, I, I don't know what to say here this morning. I, I just don't know what to say. I mean, I pray through the list and things like that, but I, I don't know what to say today. I, my heart's troubled. Um, my heart's burdened with the, with the people that need to be healed. My heart is burdened with the people who are lost. My heart is burdened with the number of children that we're aborting. My heart is burdened by the news and by our government, and my heart is burdened with all those things. And you, and you get to a place where you just go, I don't know what to say anymore. And, uh, and I felt the Holy Spirit just say to me, that's okay. You don't have to say anything. Just be in my presence. And let me fill you. Let me give you something fresh and new. Let me stir your heart. Let me give you hope. Let me give you joy. See, that's the abundance of our God, isn't it? A matter of we have to come up with the right words to say. But the abundance that flows from God fills us. And there's times that we need that. I, I need God's strength. I, I can't do the things that he's called me to do by myself. And that's what Jesus reminds me of. <laughs> you, by yourself, you can do absolutely nothing, he said in John 15, right? So, so just sometimes when you're in your prayer time, you don't have to say anything. Sometimes you just be still, he says, and know that I'm God. That's good enough. I got it handled, John. I got it handled. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, though, okay, today. Father, thank you that you have our government handled, even when they don't. Lord, uh, we pray for our president. We pray for the leaders of our, of our nation. We pray also for the leaders of, the leaders of this world. And, uh, Father, we pray for wise decisions to be made. Father, we pray today for the sick and the infirm, those that are in care facilities and shut-ins and, and people who are trying to figure life out and in despair. Lord, we lift up Rita to you today, Father, and uh, we pray, God, for a healing touch in her body. We pray, Father, for the medical profession, that God, with all of their equipment, they seem to can't find what's going on, what's wrong with people. And so, Lord, you know, and so, God, give them wisdom as well, Father. Lord, we uh, 
we ask God for the, the needs that are in concerns that are here in this body this morning, whatever those might be. Uh, Lord, I pray for my friend Tony this morning who just still needs your touch upon her body. Uh, God, we pray, Father, for uh, the, the needs that are represented here today, that God, that you would minister to them and bring healing to them, Father, and bring hope to them in the name of Jesus. And now let's, uh, let's say the Lord's Prayer together, shall we? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks. Thanks for praying with me. We have a new memory verse um, that we're going to start today with. How many of you memorized the other one? So what's the point? Now, different churches that I went in interim, that's what I do, by the way. I'm interim here. I was interim. interim. I've been interim, doing interim work for the last couple of years, two and a half years. And I've asked them to read certain passages of scriptures, and guess what they did? They read them. <laughs> I asked them to memorize certain passages of scriptures, and guess what they did? They memorized them. So I'm back home, and what do I get? Just a thought. Okay, so here's the new one. Say it with me. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. You are God's workmanship. One of the translations that I like uh, says it even better. It says you're God's masterpiece. Maybe this will help you turn to the person next to you and look into their baby blues or dog brown eyes and say, you're a masterpiece. How many people have dog brown eyes? <laughs> All right, let's get into it here because I want to... Uh, I want to make sure that we have plenty of time here today, and, and uh, actually I've cut this message way down. I worked hard at cutting it way down. Who said that? <laughs> the name of this message is Signed, Sealed, and Delivered. Signed, sealed, and delivered. In Ephesians 1, we're still working our way through Ephesians, it says this, verses 13 and 14, in him... You also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, pay attention to that word, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to, there again, the praise of his glory. Everything has to be for the praise of his glory. He's the one that does it all. You and I just are riding along. You and I just have to believe. And we have struggled with 
faith. We have struggles with believing God. When a king would make a decree, it was signed and sealed with a he melted wax, and he put it on the envelope, or he put it on whatever it was, a scroll, before he sent it. That seal told everybody who was going to receive, everyone that that scroll was delivered to, that that was the king's seal, that it came from him, that it was owned by him. You and I are sealed with the Spirit of God so that wherever we are delivered to in this world, they will know that we are his, that we belong to him. That's why there's something different about you and that's the Holy Spirit in you being sealed means that you are different from the rest of the world. Now, if you're not any different from the rest of the world, you have to question whether or not you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Because we can play church and we can say, well, I have faith. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. Then after that, sometimes we can be baptized in water, and we should be. If you haven't been baptized in water, we got water here at the lake. Let's go down there this afternoon and, and you go in by yourself. Okay. <laughs> Lois will go with you. Be baptized. Sometimes, you know, people go through a confirmation class because they want to know what the doctrines of the church are. It's all special. It's all wonderful. Sometimes they, then they belong to the church. They, 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 they belong. They, they, they become engaged in a church. And then they get married because they, then they, they join. That's, a, that's okay, too. You think about that. Anyway, so, so, but that's, for the most part, that's the extent of a lot of people's Christianity in America. That's it. Well, do you have, are you saved? Yes. How do you know? Well, I go to church. Well, I'm involved in church. I want to be at church. That's okay. I want to praise the Lord. You know, sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm baptized. I've joined the church. And that's it. And the problem is, is that we've really never been delivered to the world. I get people that say to me sometimes, well, the church needs to be a place where we can bring somebody to get saved. Absolutely, I agree with that. But the church isn't for unbelievers. It's a place where believers learn how to be disciples that are sent out into the world. We are the sent out ones, just as our master, our Lord, and our Savior was sent from God. For God so loved the world that he gave, or he sent his only begotten son, that whoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God's people have got to get past this idea of if we build it, they'll come. We've got to get past the idea that we have to make everything sensitive enough and comfortable enough so that people can come into the body of Christ and feel like they're, they're, they feel good. I don't want anybody to feel bad, but I'm just telling you the gospel just smacks against the world. It just collides with it. It's a train wreck. That's the, that, and that's the only way that you and I come to know who Christ is. When you come face to face with the cross, 
There ain't nothing comfortable about going to the cross. You go there to die. You don't do 30 days on the cross. You're not sentenced to it for a period of time. And Jesus said, you take up your cross and you follow me. That's what the gospel does in us. It, it calls us to come out from the world and to be separate from it. In fact, God says in his word that if we won't come out from the world and be separate from him, he really won't be our father and won't dwell with us. That's why we're powerless. Christianity, always looking for some other wind of doctrine to come through so that we can believe this and believe that. But the impact on a lost world uh, isn't there. The impact on our family, because we look just like everybody else, challenges me. The gospel challenges me. I get into the Word, and it challenges me. I look into it, the mirror of God's Word. See, I look in the mirror, and I can look pretty good. Well, the older I get, <laughs> you get to a place where it doesn't matter what. There ain't nothing going to help. But when you are looking into the Word, it's a mirror of my soul. And I look in there, and I go... 40 plus years of ministry and I still, still don't quite measure up, do I? Now, I'm not saying that I'm still a dirty, rotten sinner. I'm just saying that I'm trying to measure up to the image of Christ. That's the calling of all of us in this room to be in His image, not your own. I'm created in His image. Okay, so that's the intro. And if I don't move on, we won't get to the conclusion. Sealed is a great example of, of what God wants us to be. Sealed. Our hearts are softened. Just like that wax is softened, God stamps his seal. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. If your heart isn't broken, if it isn't melted, no seal. It won't stick. It won't go in there. That's why our hearts are softened before God. And that's why he continues to soften your heart. And thank God that if you ever begin to move away and your heart becomes hardened, thank God for the pressures in your life that soften that wax again so he can stamp you once again. How many times have you needed to be stamped? (laughs) God loves you so much he won't let you go unstamped. But he's not afraid of you and I. And he will bring about circumstances in your life. He'll soften your heart so he can restamp you. That's a good God that does that. All right, after you become stamped, you discover that God's word is true. It's always been true. But now all of a sudden you go, it is true. And I don't have to lean on my own understanding, but in all of my ways I can acknowledge him. That's wonderful. All of my ways, I acknowledge him. All right. I want us to take a look at how the word moves in us, moving things out of us that are old and bringing something into us that are new. We need something fresh 
and new and alive. The world needs it. And friends, I fear that the body of Christ needs it. We need something fresh, something new. Not some new program, something fresh that comes from God. And that might become a little bit more clear as we look at a word picture that God gives us about who the Holy Spirit is. Because it's the Spirit of God that is needed, always needed. Sealing us with the Holy Spirit is pretty important. We miss that. Many churches you, you go to go, well, we believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but what does the Holy Spirit do for you? We don't know. Who is he? I don't know. What does he do in your life? I don't know. Is he here today? I don't know. Now we're going to find out how we can know. In John chapter 7, verses 38 and 39, Jesus said this, If anyone is thirsty, I think I have it up there, yep. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers, rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now this is the, during the Feast of the Tabernacles. It was a ceremony that, uh, you know, tabernacles means God with us. Jesus was born on the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, that's God with us, God among us, God in us. And, and so Jesus is at this feast, like he always was, at the Feast of Pente you know, Pentecost and all the, all the other feasts. But this is, this is the, the Feast of Booth or Tabernacles. And during that feast on the last day, they would take... Uh, they would take they had wine in a silver cup, and then they had water, living water, because it was taken from the well, but it was a living water because it was a spring, living water in a golden vessel. Look at first next to you, you say, you're pure gold. God has water for you to carry. And he he poured, then the priest would take that golden vessel full of living water. He would go to the east gate of the temple, and he would pour that water out, pouring it out. And we'll get into why that was here in a minute. But during that time, as he's pouring this out, there's this rabbi named Jesus, Yeshua, and he stands up in the crowd, or maybe they're all standing, I don't know, but he's in the crowd, and he says with a loud voice, if any man thirsts, and he comes from Isaiah 55, oh, if any man is thirsty, let him come and drink. And so he's saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That's the fulfillment of Isaiah 55, he is. And it says, he who believes in me, as the scriptures said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Rivers that flow from the belly, from the innermost being of the person who is filled with the Spirit of God. I just heard an illustration the other day that I thought was so cool. The guy took a glass of water, his cup of water, and he said, and some of you were there at our legacy group yesterday, and he said, this is not full. I mean, you can see where it is, but even if it was here, it still wouldn't be full. Full means, how do you know it's full? Because it's overflowing. 
And God's people and the, and the Holy Spirit needs to flow out of us. We can't, be, we can't say I'm full and not overflowing. Otherwise, we just go around in our own strength. You know, take a, 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 half, a half full glass and, you know, sprinkle it on Judy there. We, 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 we try to do that in our own strength because we, we have the Holy Spirit and we're trying to shake some out on some people. I'm just half full. Maybe I can dump some of it on you. Or I'm three quarters full and I try to shake it out on you. No, if, if, you're, if you're overflowing full, it just flows. That's what God has in store for you and I. Just to overflow. Don't get so bent out of shape. Just overflow. Don't work so hard. I want to be, I want to be full, God. I want to be full. And he says, I want you to be full too. Just shut up and let me fill you. <laughs> and then you overflow. All right. The water that Jesus gives springs up to eternal life. That's what he told the woman at the well, right? She came to get a drink, and he said, I got water for you to drink. They'll spring up to everlasting life. She said, give me that. And he said, okay. But it went on. He says, the Holy Spirit, where does it flow from? She says, I want to know, where do I get this water? Where do I get this water from? So we're going to go to passage of Scripture in Ezekiel 47 and find out where they got it from and where you can get it from, where they've always been able to get it from. Are you ready? If you have your Bibles, turn them there. If you don't, you've got your phones or whatever you use. And if you don't, I'll have it on the screen for you. All right, so the Holy Spirit, where, does it, where can I get this from? Well, it flows from God's place, his throne. Flows from him. Ezekiel is a pretty cool guy. God is taking him around. He's showing him all kinds of things in his temple. He's showing him the atrocities that are being committed in the temple by the priests. He's showing him things that are going on in the temple that shouldn't be going on. He's showing Ezekiel that there is sin in the temple. He's showing Ezekiel that there is idolatry, there's idols set up in the temple. We're temples of the Holy Spirit, right? And God is showing Ezekiel that there are things, there is impurities in the temple. That's important. Then he's taking him to different places. And in Ezekiel 47... He brings him back to the door of the house. Let's read it. Then he brought me back to the door of the house or the temple or the, the place where God lives, his place. And behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house towards the east. For the house faced east and the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, from the south side of the altar. And he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around by the outside to the outer gate by the gate that faces east. Isn't that an amazing thing where the priest would pour out the water on the east side with the golden cup of living water? And here's this flow traveling out from the east side. Sometimes you, know, you, you just have to see all this stuff to really go, 
God, yours is totally amazing how you put things together. I don't know about you, but I, I just marvel at stuff like that. So he brought me out by the way of the gate that faces east, and behold, water was trickling from the south side. Now, before we go to the next one, I want to just say to us that water at that point is just a trickle from the house of God, but it keeps getting deeper, and we're going to find out in a minute. When I was a kid in the Boy Scouts, and uh, we used to go to this place called Tumbling Run. It was up in the mountains, and we'd go up in there. So uh, me and a couple other guys, we decided we're going to find out where this spring comes from, this tumbling run. There's tumbles down, and it cascades, and there's waterfalls, and it's wonderful. And when you start out at the bottom, it's, it's wide. And then as you, but as you travel up to the place that begins, finally you come to the place of its source, and it comes out, it just bubbles up between two rocks. And you could, you, it was so pure and so clean at, at that time, I don't know if you could do it anymore without catching something, but you could drink right out of that little spring. It was so cool because it was so fresh, it was so pure. And so we would bend down and we'd, and it, it just amazes us that out of this little spring springing up, you go downstream and it just keeps getting bigger. And that's the way with God's Holy Spirit. It comes out like a trickle. And we get into that trickle. Unfortunately, we stay at the trickle. And we don't get any, any more than the trickle. I want more of God, but tr thank you, God, trickles enough. Thank you. I don't know if I can stand more than a trickle. Right? But we get a trickle. That's what salvation is, just a trickle. And God's got so much more. So much exceedingly, abundantly more Remember your memory verse? No, you don't, because you didn't memorize it. But it's exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can ask or think. More than, God has more than the trickle. We want to camp out right where the trickle comes from. All right, let's go on to the next one. See what happens from this river. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet. Now, if you're... <laughs> That's a thousand cubits, by the way, in case you're wondering what a, how many is a thousand cubits? 1,750 feet. All right, so seven, he goes down 1,750 feet, and then he led, led me across. Water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet, led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. And after another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. I talked to somebody that said they couldn't swim. And I said, how deep do you go then? And he said, I never get past water, past my lower lip. I never get in deeper than my lower lip. Gee, I wonder why. This tells me that you and I <laughs> were never meant to stay in the kiddie pool forever <laughs> when it comes to the things of God. We're splashing around, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. We're growing, right? Starts out as a little trickle, but it begins to build. And you go, God, I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. I tasted a little of the trickle, now I want some more. 
And God says, okay, here's some more. So he takes him down. He, sw- he goes across. He wades across this one. I see him going on. The- see, in my mind's eye, this is how it works. He, the, the Lord leads him across the water. So he walks across the water, not on top of it, but in it. You know, it's up to his ankle. And he turns around. He comes back and it's up to his knees. And he goes downstream a little bit more. Now it's up to his waist. And he go- still leads him across. And he goes, now he leads him down on the other side. He's on the other side. Now he goes down another 1,750 feet or 1,000 cubits. And, he, and now all of a sudden, uh, I got to go, I got to swim across this. <laughs> Can't wait in it any longer. My prayer for us, Calvary Church, you, wherever your church might be, your church, your family, you individually, get so much of the Holy Spirit that you're at that place and point downstream enough to where you're swimming. It's over your head. When the Holy Spirit begins to operate over our head, that means we can't figure it out anymore. He just does stuff. He does God's stuff. I can't, my reasoning won't allow me to reason why that is. It's not reasonable what he just did. Those of you who have experienced God to that degree know what I'm talking about. He does weird stuff. And you can't figure it out. You just scratch your head and you just don't. Why is that? Well, it's because now you are in over your head. That's where God wants every one of us to be over our head in the Holy Spirit. All right. Don't just wait around in the kiddie pool all your life. Do you want more? We used to pray for people that all we'd have to do is just say, more, Lord. (laughs) God knew exactly what that prayer was. Pray, God, show me. God, give me more. Is that selfish? No, because your father's going, you really want more? Okay. He's not angry at you. He's not sitting up there saying, well, if you just get this right and this right and this right, I'll give you more. Now, we need to have a pure life and not allow things into our life that are going to quench the Spirit of God. We'll talk about that later on in Ephesians. But, but so, so there's a, pure, a purity that comes that, that we remove the idol worship from our life. Yeah, we need to do that. And then God says, I'll give you more. But here's what I know about it. When, when God is saying to me, John, I want to give you more, but I can't give you more because there's an area of your heart that won't allow more to fill it because you got something stuck in there already. And that's where the body of Christ is. We, we have idols that are in areas that we can't fill up more so it's overflowing because you can't put any more in until that is removed, whatever that is for you and I. So it's a two-way street. You know, we just, well, I want, I'm by the river. He takes you there. He says, is this, is this what you want? Yes. I want to pour this out on you, but I can't put any more in you until you remove this. When we were a teen challenge, we'd pray for people to have more of God's Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes they would just say, oh, 
Um, I've got something in here that's not allowing that. Well, okay, God's showing you what that is, right? What is that? Well, I'm still smoking. Well, he's going to mention stuff. That's right. That's what I do. You're still hooked on pornography. You're still... Your Facebook and your internet is too important for me to fill you. There are too many things that this world has filled your heart with, filled your mind with, that I can't fill you any fuller. But if you'll let that go, if you'll see the value of what I want to do in your life, if you'll let that go, I will fill you more fuller. I'll fill you to overflowing. And it's God's love that does that. He's not mad at you. He's just saying, you really want more? Yeah, God, I want more. Okay, then let this go. And, and it's something different for everybody. I'm just naming some things, but I'm not telling you to, oh, I've got to drop Facebook, and I've got to stop watching TV, and I've got to stop watching Fox News, and I've got to get rid of my cigarettes, and I've got to... I'm not telling... I'm just saying to you that, that when you want more of God, he begins to put his finger on areas that you've already filled something, put something in there. That's all. And it's his love that does that. And I'm mad at you. He's just saying, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Drop that. And watch what happens. All right, so what's happening next? He asked me, he says, um, have you been watching all this, son of man? <laughs> then he led me back along the riverbank. He, he takes him from the water to swim, and he goes out and dries off. Oh, man, God, that was so good. And then he takes him back along the riverbank, and this is what he shows him. He says, you watching this? You, you, you catching this? He leads me back, he said, and then I was returned. Listen to what he says. I was surprised. Because where this river was flowing, I didn't see this, but now there's trees growing. What? There's trees growing on both sides of the riverbank. The river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of the stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be streams or swarms of living, a swarm of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. If you want to let the Spirit of God flow through you to touch people's lives. If you have people that need to have the touch of God in their life, what God needs is vessels that will overflow into them. If we'll overflow into them, life just happens wherever that river flows. <laughs> it's not rocket science. This guy just said, look, I've got something for you. I want to fill you up and overflow. And if you let me overflow in your life, fruit trees will begin to pop up in your life. You'll have fruit. Listen to what it says in, I'm going to read this out of the real Bible. This is in uh, New American Standard. Psalm 1. Listen to this.
me look more scholarly, doesn't it? Listen, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. Why is he blessed? He doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. He's not hanging around. You want to win people to Jesus, but you don't want to hang out with scoffers. You want to be around a bunch of grouchy people. I don't. If you want to be my friend and hang out with me, don't be a grouch. Because I won't answer your phone call. His delight, listen, this person's delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He's got such a love and a hunger for God's word, he just meditates on it day and night. I got to know the truth. I got to know what you have for me, Lord. And listen to what happens in verse 3. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. There is a prosperity that comes with being filled with the Spirit of God. There's a prosperity that comes when you, when you become a child of God. There is a, there's a certain prosperity that just happens to you. You begin to walk different. You're, you walk funny. You walk strange to this world. But that's God's blessing in your life. And you open up yourself to his blessing rather than staying grouchy and complaining and miserable. And the Holy Spirit does that. You don't sit with the scoffers and with the wicked. You move out. That might mean a whole different set of friendships for some. And they can't do that. They can't do that. You, know, you never have more of that. It's up to you. He doesn't say you have to. He just says if you have to if you want more. All right, wherever this water flows, there's life. What was dead then becomes fresh and pure. Life flourishes wherever that river goes. Next, I like this. Fishermen will stand. I'm a fisherman. I like to fish. Fishermen will stand along the shores of what was once dead, or the Dead Sea here, and the way from Engadai to Ingalim. And the shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they filled the Mediterranean. Wouldn't it be great if all the churches in this community were so hungry for God that he just said, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to flood you with my Holy Spirit. And guess what would happen? It doesn't have to be Assembly of God. It doesn't have to be Lutheran. It doesn't have to be Methodist. It doesn't have to be, probably won't be Baptist. <laughs> just kidding. But... The, the dead sea will become fresh and fish will be caught. And what did he tell the disciples? Follow me and I will make you. Oh, you got that one memorized. Good for you. <laughs> I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers. Well, we'll stop fishing. We want to build an aquarium. And hopefully the unsaved would come walking through our doors and go, what a nice aquarium. Look at all the really nice and colorful fish they have at that aquarium. That's not the gospel, friends. We're not aquariums. We're supposed to be fishing. Follow me, he said. I'll make you fishers of men. Next. But the marshes and the swamp, listen to this carefully. But the marshes and the swamps... <laughs> 
Now, if your name is Marcia, it's not talking about you. But, but the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown, fail, and there will always be fruit on the branches. Now, we just read that in Psalm 1. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river that flows from the temple. The fruit will be for the food and the leaves for healing. Fruit will grow, new crops every season, fruit that feeds the soul and heals the body and the mind. But take note, the marshes and the swamps, the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. they're going to remain salty and mucky and yucky. Why? Because they refuse to believe the gospel. They refuse to allow God to flow into their lives and through them. There are people, you share the gospel with them, and they just, nope, they're not going to live for God. They just refuse. They're not going to do it. They've got things in their life. He's talking to them. Nope, they ain't going to do that. I'm going to stay bitter. I'm going to stay angry. I'm going to still harbor unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart. I'm still going to stay attached to the idols that are in my life. And God ain't going to tell me what to do, and neither is anybody else. Okay. River ain't flowing through you. Never will. When you go to the book of Revelation, chapter 22, yeah, come on, worship team. When you go to the book of Revelation, chapter 22, it talks about the river that flows from the throne. And he says, within are the righteous at that river. The, 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 those that believe the, the gospel are there. But then it says, but without, that cannot inherit it. They cannot, they cannot inherit eternal life. They cannot inherit the kingdom. There are those people that are on the outside. Read it for yourself. The immoral, the immoral, listen, the immoral, the immoral. We live in a state of immorality in our country. It's so immoral. Is it any wonder that we can't receive what God has for us and remain immoral like we are? can't happen and you and I will never be able to bring fresh water if we've got dirty water at the same time if I've got unclean water and fresh water it doesn't flow from the same spring it cannot it's either one or the other James talks about that how can the spring who is clean come up with putrid water. You can't blend them together. We want a world saved. We want families saved. We want people saved. We want people to, to experience the fullness of God. We have got to, Calvary Church, we have got to, members of the body of Christ, we have got to get into this river. We've got to get around that throne and we've got to have God say, okay, God, you need to clean me up. You've got to do that. And you've got to keep asking him to do that. Saying, God, I want to be clean. I want, to, I want that river to run through me to touch other people's lives. 
purify my heart. And you know what? He will. He will. Let's stand and we're going to sing a, a song here in just a, just a minute. In Acts chapter 2, verses 32 through 33, he says this, This Jesus raised up again to which we all are witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear.